0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, forgotten and scorned taxpayers, and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Blaze Media. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house, your only source of independent conservative news and views in depth about the issues of our time. And I know you guys every day come here to find the real truth. You know intuitively you're being lied to. You know that. But you just want, you want the ammo. And, and, and this is what is so difficult. These people think we're stupid. They really think we're stupid. See, it used to be kind of nuanced what they were doing with the corona fascism and the lies. Now it's just blatant. I mean, even if you didn't study this all day, you would realize it. So you have the big news over the weekend. Tony, Tony Fauci. This guy is just a horrible human being. There is no way he doesn't know the lies he's being told. He just thinks that you and I are stupid. The question is, is he right? Does he really or is he really right in thinking that he can make us such dummies that he could get away with a statement to the effect of "New York quote did it correctly. We should follow the path of New York." <laughs> now, I just want to tell you, this is like saying that Bill Clinton is a model of abstinence, okay? Or it's like saying Donald Trump is is a model for marriage or whatever. I mean, it just it's utterly insane. Look at how we've come full circle since this started. When this started out before lockdown became political and it became a thing and a a tool of controlling people, of destroying the country, creating dependencies, spending trillions of dollars, running people's lives, making everyone dependent on government, we actually followed the science. And Fauci, Burks, all of these people said... They all recognize that a lockdown doesn't make the virus go away. You can't make it go away. You're going to have to achieve herd immunity at some point. It's just that what it could do, and only if it's done early on, by the way, early on, it could delay some of the surge just to ensure that you flatten a curve so you don't have the deaths too precipitously. You're going to have them. The premise was you're going to have them, but you have it more spread out, all for one purpose, so the hospitals don't get overrun, and then it actually does wind up creating a self fulfilling prophecy of more of this. They accused us, who opposed lockdown, even though it was clear we had enough bed space, of trying to achieve herd immunity too quickly at a painful cost. Yet what has now happened is all the states that they're holding up, that you have these Democrat governors that no longer have too many cases, they achieved herd immunity exactly the way they accused us of doing without all the deaths of a lockdown. They achieved with the deaths of a lockdown. And they had a lockdown and they had an insane spike. So now they're saying a flattened curve is not the goal. It's a precipitous spike and you get it over with after killing 30,000 people. It is unbelievable. What you have now in Texas, Florida, some of these other states is more of a gradual thing. Even where it's the worst it's been there, it's nowhere near per capita how bad it was in New York. And the hospitals are handing it, handling it. The only reason why it's even a little you know, stressed is just, like I told you, a lot of it is because of the panic. It's logistics. That we test every organism... So then you're positive, even if you're asymptomatic, every um, you have this guy who who died of a motorcycle crash that was uh, coded as a covid death in Orlando. Um, you have one quarter to a third of all people that come into Miami for accidents have covid, but they're not there for that. They don't know they have it. They're there for the trauma. But once they're tested and they're positive, then you have to isolate them. So then, you know, it kind of creates a logistical problem of um, where to put them, and then likewise with the healthcare workers, they easily get it. Most of them aren't seriously ill, but then they're out, you know, they can't be there, so then they're a little, you know, you have more of a shortage of staff, but it's just because we have a virus that spreads as quickly as the cold and the flu, and for most people, it's actually less symptomatic Than the flu. You have that small number of people. That get more seriously ill than the flu. Those are the people you need to focus on. But because we're focusing on everyone equally. It's straining it. But the point is. It's not overrun. And. We are now to believe that somehow. New York is better off. And then we didn't even get to the fact. That Texas. Is getting slammed by the border. And now. Now we have open source stuff admitting what happened in California from Baja, California is now happening in Texas from Tamaulipas. We have a six-part series. I'll probably do a seventh piece on it tomorrow, but I'll give you a little bit of a, a sneak peek today. But before that, another perfect example was this interview with Chris Wallace and Donald Trump, where basically they're lying to say that America has more deaths than anywhere else And they're missing the fact that actually, per case, we have a low fatality rate. And the only thing that's even juicing up our national average are the very states that they're holding up as a pedestal. Truly, truly unbelievable. So what basically happened was, you know, Chris Wallace was saying, oh, why is it so bad here? So Trump was like, well, we're testing everything. So we're finding more than other countries are finding. But, you know, it's not not that much different. Now, again, there is a difference in that we imported another country's problems. Mexico. That is, you know, a certain extent. also the Mexican farm workers we have, um, which account for like half the cases in many, many states. But that is a big factor is the testing. And again, the testing doesn't only discover more cases. The testing winds up getting more fatalities because we're coding all this stuff as a as a as a covid fatality. But then Chris Wallace said, well, it's not just that you have you have so many uh, fatalities. You're, You're the eighth worst in the world. And what he does is he cherry picks arbitrary countries. And then he says, you know, but but countries like Taiwan and Singapore are better. Well, I mean, they're better than every country because, you know, they likely have that T-cell cross immunity that's even stronger here. There's nothing to do with anything. I mean, no Western country was going to have the degree of immunity, cross immunity from coronaviruses that Asian countries have. But here's the dirty little secret. These same politicians are now praising Fauci and New York. Let me give you a degree of context here. The worst country in the world, okay, deaths per million. That's where they're hitting us, that we have a lot of deaths per million. But again, we have a low deaths per per case number. So how how is that? Well, Daniel, it's very nice to have low deaths per case, but it must mean we have a lot more cases. We have a lot more deaths. So we're worse off. Who cares? But no, likely what's happening is a lot of these countries, not not Asia, because that's just ridiculous. But these other Western countries, they have more COVID. But they're not detecting it. So they're not coding it as such. So America now sits at, what is it? Something like um 430 or so deaths per million. The highest country in the world, is Belgium at 845, almost double. You have the UK that's 6, what is it, like 647 or 667. Spain, 608. Italy is 580. Let me just give you a little bit of context. The US average, again, is 432, okay? New Jersey is 1776, okay, per capita. That's more than twice Belgium. New Jersey is more than twice... The highest country. There are four United States states that are worse than the highest countries. Do you know who they are? New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. That the media is holding up as the paradigm. Do you know what's also unique about those four? They are the four main states that put positive patients back into nursing homes. That's what did it. And yet still, America is well below... Belgium, UK, Spain, and Italy. And and a little bit below France. But what's driving it is mainly those states. So uh, they have the nerve to say, Hey, America has so many deaths. And then they say, New Jersey and New York are great. It's mentally ill. Now let me show you. Arizona is 379. It's a little bit below the average. And again, probably half of that is from Mexico. And Florida is 232 a little bit below canada and significantly below the netherlands where they're celebrating florida's right at switzerland right at switzerland which is widely praised for having a good result and then texas is way down almost half of florida and switzerland so that's the thing you got to put that in context but yet the media makes gold crap and crap gold. And that's the thing. You look at, at at the case fatality rate. And America's case fatality rate is going is plummeting because we're having so many more cases, but relatively few deaths to the cases. France has a case fatality rate of 17%, UK 15, Italy 14%, Sweden even seven, Germany four. And a half Japan four, America's about at 3.6 below Japan. Now they say, "Well, Daniel, come on. That's because you know Japan had very few cases, but you know, so therefore in totality, they had much fewer deaths per million. You're right, you have you know, fewer cases uh, deaths per case, but you have so many cases, so therefore much more deaths. It's but, but again, that's part of the problem because a lot of the deaths are BS. They're inflated. And the biggest proof is Sweden. We're actually below Sweden in the case fatality, way below. But Sweden had a much better result than America. As we've noted before, if you look at Sweden's excess deaths, they're very little. Sweden has an even more liberal way of coding deaths than we do. That's really what it's a function of. But on the other hand, they don't test as much as we do. So the case fatality rate, right, the percentage is going to be higher. But you have more cases there too. They're just not bothering with them because it's not really killing anyone. But also remember, some of these other countries, you could brag about how great results they had. They're going to eventually get it. So our case fatality rate is an important measure because that demonstrates that, yes, we have a lot of cases, but we're likely pretty close to saturation levels where this is going to tail off. Whereas the other countries are going to have second waves like you see Israel and Australia, several other countries are getting now. So the, the case fatality rate is very low. Now, as you well know, the real fatality rate is even 10 times lower. Than in the IFR, the infection fatality. Case fatality rate means based on the known cases, how many deaths we have relative to the known cases. But we're only, even with mass testing, we're only identifying about 10% nationwide. Some areas it's obviously more, some less, but on average, about 10%. So the um you know infection fatality rate is gonna be more like 0.3. And again, for most people, it's much lower than that. It's really the nursing homes and you know small numbers of people driving that up. And by the way, if you that's just the average case fatality rate. Our case fatality rate right now, the last couple of weeks as we speak, is actually 1.1%. Right? Because we have so many more cases and So that's the thing. It's actually 1.1%. So the IFR right now is probably about 0.1, right where the flu is. Again, this is CDC's number that there's a a factor of 10 between the IFR and the CFR. That's, that's, That's according to CDC. I didn't make that up. So, anyway, that's where we are here. So they think we're stupid, they think they could just lie to us about the numbers. And then and then take the one part of America that was indeed a failure and blame it on Trump and then say Cuomo is the paradigm of, of success. It, it is. It, that is so nakedly political. Like, I mean, there's one thing if you think, OK, Trump's doing a horrible job. This is horrible. Then and, and then you're like, man, and New York is just just a disaster. I can respect that. But to the same guys are saying New York's awesome. They got it over with yeah after all those people dying and again, they accused us of trying to achieve that result without a lockdown. Remember, the lockdown kills so many people. I know so many people in New York who I, I know I know someone who died of cancer their cancer treatment stopped. This is medicalexpress.com is an article out. This is about the UK, but it's a similar principle here. About 5,000 heart attack sufferers in England missed out on life-saving hospital treatment due to the lockdown. By the way, I'm going to have a story coming out sometime this week. It turns out it's not just the states that shut down so-called elective surgeries. It's actually Medicare at a federal level said they wouldn't pay for it. Something I'm going to have for you, hopefully more for you later in the week. But then we get back to the border. We get back to the border. Well, finally, a local, not a, not a national news, this is a local NBC affiliate. I give them credit for having the guts to report this. This is the valleycentral.com, Rio Grande Valley Hospital is also treating Mexican nationals seeking COVID-19 treatment. I want you to understand They are locking us down. They are making us wear a mask. They're saying we have to do this to ensure the hospitals don't get flooded. Then they bring in Mexican nationals to flood the hospitals and then say, hey, the numbers are too high. We need an even stronger lockdown on Americans. This is a sick, demented, unjust government. I want you guys to think about the profundity of that juxtaposition and how powerful it is. If you haven't heard the last show, it was Friday's show we had with Jessica Vaughn about basically we shut off all immigration and travel except for the ones that actually were most likely to bring it in, like refugees, the border. So you can't come to the border unless you're coming for COVID treatment or unless you're an LPR or, or dual citizen. And even illegal immigrants where we did turn them back, if you're an illegal immigrant with a serious case of COVID, what do we do? We send you to the hospital. But anyway, anyway, let's read this article here, Valley Central. Sydney Hernandez, who's, by the way, I, I followed her. I know her from just the uh, immigration reporting. She is, you know, really the top-notch uh, reporter in, in that part of Texas. KVEO, as hospitals in the Rio Grande Valley remain packed at capacity, doctors say they're not only treating Rio Grande Valley residents, but people across the border seeking medical attention. We were, quote, we were giving care to our population, but also to patients from Mexico. By law, we must give medical attention to anyone who comes into our hospitals, said Dr. Yvonne Lopez, MD, medical director of McAllen Hospital Group at McAllen Medical Center. That guy is the medical director of the epicenter. Okay, so, I mean, this is the number one source here. This is no longer some right wing blog doctors on the front line say legally they cannot turn someone down for medical treatment. By law, if a patient arrives to our hospital, we need to provide all the care that is needed to so Dr. Lopez. Um, the border is closed to non-essential travel. Um, where is this? But according to CBP, individuals traveling for medical purposes, such as to receive medical treatment, in the United States is permitted. You can read more about the border shutdown here. Um, Quote, one of the factors is the border. We in McAllen Medical are receiving many patients from Mexico. They are coming in because their resources over there are also limited, so they are coming into our area seeking medical attention. And by law, we have to provide it, said Lopez. The patients that cross the border say we don't have hospital space over there. The oxygen is gone. We don't have medications, so we cross the border. That's the situation, the border. Dr. Ivan Melendez, the health authority of Hidalgo County, says Mexican nationals are coming due to the lack of medical resources in Mexico. Quote, contacts I have from my friends that are in Matamoros and Reynosa, those are the two cities I've been telling you about, paint quite a grim story. That story shows hospitals packaged to the gills. There aren't any beds, people can't come in. I had one say someone send me a list of 45 people in a particular hospital in Reynosa and 45 people out of 45 beds diagnosed with a typical pneumonia, and I called him and he said, we don't have tests, so we're assuming they're COVID. The river is a poor area, and we know people are coming over, and yes, we see people coming over that indeed are Mexican nationals, but do I see it as a predominant amount? No. Do I have a number? No. Is it anecdotal? I believe so. So are they coming? Yes. Folks, I want you guys to understand. I want you guys to understand how profound this is. Okay? Okay. This is Sunday. I want you guys to write this down. Sunday, there were 93 recorded deaths in Texas. Again, it's a very big state, over 30 million people. 42% of the deaths were in border counties. Border counties only account for 9% of Texas's population. 9% of the population, 42%. Of the deaths. And folks, it's not just the per capita, it's also the population density. Dallas and Houston are much more dense than the border counties. It's not just that they're more populous. What we've seen throughout the country is that population density plays a big role. This is astounding. And again, it's simple because. Hidalgo County the border counties they they have their own cases but then they're getting the most serious cases from Mexico it's like a it's like a drain off so of course they're gonna have the most deaths this is what I said from day one I said look you're gonna have m- mainly due to seasonality and latitude it didn't really come there much until now you're gonna have in the southern states it's generally mild generally younger I do believe a certain amount was spread by the protests and they're rioting. But generally, you're not going to see too many deaths except for at the border. How long? I've been telling you that for about three, four weeks. And 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 boy, was I proven right. Because, again, that was Mexico's first wave. And we're getting all. I mean, and, and here's the thing. Mark Morgan, the CBP commissioner, did an interview with Breitbart. And then said, Mexican nationals aren't coming. And then he goes on in in the article to say. They're just dual citizens and LPRs, which are green card holders. So, first off, a green card holder is he, a Mexican national. So, he contradicted himself. Now, I think what he meant to say is they're not illegal. They're they're legal immigrants or, or um, dual citizens. Now, he's pissed off at me because, like, he somehow thinks I'm trying to blame CBP. I'm not. I'm not making an immigration argument. I'm making a virological argument. I'm making an anti-lockdown argument. I'm saying even if they have documentation, there's a couple of things to note about that. You can't blame Americans and say it's because you had Memorial Day barbecues and because you didn't have a lockdown and you reopened that you have this. Be honest about where it's coming from. It's coming from Mexico. Again, not all of it, but the serious, the most serious, highly concentrated deaths per capita cases are coming from Mexico. That is incontrovertible at this point. From the data and also the medical directors in the hospitals in Yuma and Hidalgo and then in Imperial County, California. That is settled fact. So before we get into what we should and shouldn't do about it, Be honest about where it's coming from. The reopening of Texas, which was very minor. They never, all the big cities always had strict um, rules in place. Even in the red states, we've said that a hundred times. Their social mobility scores were not any different than the blue states. If anything, neighboring New Mexico, which has a better result, had, um, had higher social mobility. But of course, New Mexico doesn't have border crossings. That's the whole difference. I'm the only one who has proven that. But anyway, the deal with Texas is this. The deal with Texas is that they reopened May 1st. So the the deaths would start surging around May 22nd. But yet, throughout those weeks, all the way till the end of June, they didn't see deaths. They only saw the deaths. Coinciding with the incubation period from the Mexican surge. All these doctors are like, I think we're not strict enough. You reopen. Like, asshole, study the damn border data and the timing. These people have these medical degrees. They know nothing about the real world. What is actually happening? They don't know arithmetic. They don't know geography. They don't open their damn eyes. I'm sick of this. And then more to the point, yes, normally, let's just say illegals aren't coming over. First of all, they are to a certain extent. I don't think it's a majority. I've said all along the majority is from LPRs and dual citizens, but I have it from Border Patrol. If they come, we're not going to turn them back if they're sick. But, but there's a couple of things to note. First of all, let, let's talk about the lower level. You're a green card holder, <clears throat> If we are shutting down Americans from traveling to state to state without quarantine, if we're shutting down churches and their livelihood, yes, we shouldn't be letting in green card holders. They don't have an affirmative right to be here. All things equal, we'll let them in, but not during an epidemic. That's number one. That, I mean, that should be obvious. No other country has done that. I know all these stories of families of dual nationalities, the husband, the wife. They had to split up. They were traveling. They had to split up for months. Because one country wouldn't let in even a spouse of a citizen, you know, and the kids had to decide where they were going to go. They would not do that. I'm sick of, why is America worse than anywhere else this long when other countries got over? Because the European countries actually closed their stinking borders. We had endless travel. Any LPR, any dual citizen could come and not just once, but back and forth, back and forth. Travel to see family, travel to shop, travel for jobs. Then even people of a lower level, the border crossings or or B visas, if they were deemed essential, which was most of them, they were able to come in. Of course they brought it in. And then you are exempt from the travel ban if you come to seek medical attention. I'm not kidding you. Even if you're not an LPR. So if you're an LPR, you're uh, exempt or if you're coming for medical attention. Well, they're coming for medical attention. So we had a travel ban to keep out COVID. Unless you come with COVID, then we bring you in. And even a dual citizen. What other countries did was in in March, you say, all right, guys, one shot. You have one chance to come in. But if you're going to wait to stay in Mexico till May, until you um, catch it, then, I mean, dude, what do you want from us? We have the right to shut the border. And then also... The Americans who lived on the American side, but of, you know, Spanish heritage, and they travel back and forth every day, every week. We allowed that to this day, there is no mandatory quarantine. To this day, you're quarantined if you come from Texas to New York, to New York but not from Tamaulipas to Texas. It's like, Daniel, citizens could travel across the border. Yeah, under normal times, but now you're telling me you can't travel from state to state. This is the big lie. And if you're going to tell me that we are responsible for Mexico's dumpster fire, admit it. Just say fine. But what we should have done then is set up a field hospital in Mexico at the border, not bring them into the interior. That's what we should have done. It's a no-brainer. They think we're stupid. Yeah, it just happens to be, you know, counties with few people and low population density don't have any... Very few deaths, except for at the border where they have more deaths than anywhere else. But, you know, it kind of just works out the way. It's because you guys were having these barbecues and you weren't wearing a mask. I mean, mentally ill people. Mentally ill. And again, it's worse than that. How many people do you think from Pennsylvania were traveling back and forth from New Jersey and New York when it was an epicenter? Very, very few. They knew not to not to go there. And if they did, they had to quarantine in Pennsylvania, right? Or my state of Maryland, they they had all these signs on the highways. This is even worse because A, it's an international border. And B, we know that Mexico has horrible care. So naturally, they're going to want to come here for care. Whereas from one state and another to America, more or less, they'll stay where they are. Yet no travel advisory was put out, much less shutting off travel or at least a mandatory quarantine. So again, it's not about illegal immigration. It's about travel. And then, folks, this is just the first step. Once we see that the border counties have it much worse, then you have to ask yourself, what about the bigger cities, San Diego, Phoenix, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, and even Dallas? How many of those places, what percentage of them are from the border? Because remember, at the border, that's the whole irony of the border. The border has few hospitals because the border is tiny population and therefore should get few cases. But they got a lot of cases because they got all of Mexico's cases. So the hospitals didn't have enough room. They had to transfer them. This is from the Texas Tribune. Okay. Texas Tribune, the trip from the Rio Grande Valley to the Panhandle, this is Amarillo, is too far to make in a helicopter. So earlier this week, when an intubated COVID-19 patient left Harlingen, that's in uh, Cameron County, it's at the border, near the state's southernmost tip for Amarillo, its northernmost metro area, hospital officials sent a fixed-wing airplane. The South Texas Hospital, inundated with a surge of sick and dying coronavirus patients, had tried sending the severely ill patients to closer facilities, but Northwest Texas Healthcare System was the first hospital between them and us that had the capacity to take the patients, said Dr. Brian Weiss, the Amarillo Hospital's chief medical officer. What that tells you is that patients from Hidalgo which a good number of them are we now know are from Mexico, are now being sent as far as Amarillo. So how many of those numbers are from the border? They don't tell us because they think we're stupid, but we're not. We know the truth. We know the truth. Again, I want to be clear. Because of seasonality and latitude and the protests and the fact that these states barely got saturation to begin with, they were going to get a certain baseline level. But we are likely experiencing double, triple the number of deaths that we would have, which still, even with that, is remarkably lower per capita than New York or New Jersey, by the way. But we would have gotten much fewer deaths. We are now responsible for Mexico's... Every other country had to deal with it on their own, right? We have to deal with ours, and we have to deal with Mexico's, except we lie about it, and we blame Americans for it. It truly makes me sick. And again, a certain amount, you're not going to... Even if you got data, I'm not saying they're all Mexican nationals or even dual nationals who are residing in Mexican. Some of them, you'll have their place of residence was in America, but they travel back and forth to Mexico when that should have been shut down. The same way we have mandatory quarantine for hotspots in America. In late May, when Tamaulipas became a hotspot, in early May, when Baja California and then Sonora, which is under Arizona, became hotspots, we should have cut it off. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna keep driving home this point. Dona Ana County. It's New Mexico's border county, right at the border. Same latitude, same seasonality, exact same population, almost to the 1,000, as Yuma County. Similar population density, similar share of Hispanics, so similar demographics. Doña Ana has 11 deaths, Yuma has at least 160 How is it that they have 15 times more deaths with the same population, same everything? The answer is because there is no sister city to Doña Ana on the Mexico side. It's a desert with not a single human being living there. So they don't get that cross-border travel. That is the biggest proof to what we're saying. They think we're stupid, but you guys aren't stupid because you tune in And again, this is why, folks, I need you to go to iTunes and drop a five-star rating because, you know, this is the only way to compete with the stupid empty calorie shows. We're approaching about 1,000 reviews. You guys could put me over the top there. We need to get this truth out. So much, so much information to touch on. I don't even know where to begin. So much stuff going on. And, um, you know, look, we got, we got tons of stuff. We got my meatpacking piece. If you haven't done it again, what you guys need to do is Google, just Google conservative review, Daniel Horowitz, and then you'll, you'll see my name and you'll see just the chronology of all my articles. So you could go down and, you know, take a look at the last five, seven, eight or so. And you'll see, I have up there near the top data shows low death rate despite widespread infection. Among meat packers, even meat packers that are the most vulnerable demographic, it's the most vulnerable location for spread, I predict that the infection fatality rate among them is between one and .2. Okay? This is the point. They think we're stupid. They think we are stupid. And look, they're doing the same thing with the schools now. They think we're stupid they think we don't realize how low that death rate is. I mean, the hospitalization rate is extremely low, much lower than the flu among young kids. California, shutting down schools for next year. Not a single child has died. Not a single child has died. Think about that. Not a single child has died. You know what? It's the same way they think we're stupid about the blood libels matter. They think we don't know how to read data. That somehow, oh, police attack blacks more. Somehow blacks are dying because of police. They are dying. And you want to talk about children. You're a child in an inner city. You're 50 million times more likely to be killed by a gun felon released by people who claim to hate guns except in the hands of violent criminals. They just hate them in the hands of people who are peaceful for use it for self-defense and for, um, you know, hobbies that are extremely responsible with guns. There was another case in Chicago. You might have seen it. Chicago had, um, another deadly weekend. More deadly than any, uh, Um, any weekend of the same date in recent memory. And guess what? There was a five-month-old child, almost certainly black, who was shot in the eye. They caught the guy. It turns out this guy had four felonies and he was arrested for a gun felony last year and he was let out. Yet Republicans refuse to argue. They refuse to make this point. They refuse to vote on legislation in the Senate, strengthening mandatory minimums for gun felons, and cutting off funding for states that don't deal with gun violence. Why do they cede the gun violence issue to the left? We should be championing that. I'm all for clamping down on gun violence. Except you don't clamp down on the gun. You clamp down on on, on the evil guy that pulls the trigger. They want to lock up the guns in jail and let out the gun felons from jail. Yet Republicans run to the left. You have the RNC putting out all these ads. Oh, Biden hates blacks because he uh, went and voted for the crime bill in 1994. Like, you know, they're hitting him from the left. By the way, it's the same thing. I'm not kidding you. Eric Trump, I guess he's more like Ivanka, not like Don Jr., he put out um, on Twitter, a clip of Biden from years ago on Meet the Press or something, where basically, you know, he was opposing the homosexual agenda. Quote, I hope everyone in the LGBTQ, wow, I got all the letters in there, community is able to see this video of Joe Biden. I mean, really, th- th- this is what we're doing now? And let me get back to what I started with, with Trump and Chris Wallace. Like, on the one hand, I'm defending Trump because he's right for the most part. I mean, he, you know, sometimes exaggerates. Like he said, we have the lowest mortality rate. It's not the lowest, but it's, it's towards the bottom of the main industrial countries per, per case, the CFR. But anyway, like Trump built up Fox News. Fox built him up. Fox elected him over Cruz. We all remember that in the primary. Now he's upset with them. Well, you know, you live by, by Fox, you die by them. He, he watches Fox News all day. That's where he gets his news from, by the way. And I have that from a lot of good sources. So, I mean, look, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. And then number two is, like, I'm sitting and defending him. Like, Trump did a much better job than New York. But who is saying that New York is the best? It's Fauci. The last time I checked, Fauci is not a fourth branch of government. He works for Trump. Yet he is the king of the country. He is more powerful against us than any cabinet member ever was in any administration. So what's the point in having Trump as president if he's going to do this? He's his own worst enemy. Own worst enemy. So that's with that. Now I got a lot more going on here. We're going to try to get into masks this week. Assuming I have time for that. And the fraud behind that, but I just want to read to you a synopsis of an interview that an Oxford epidemiologist did with this British podcaster. Um, it's called Unheard, U N H E R D dot com. Um, he has these great videos with um, really good good guests, and basically, this is Professor Carl. Hennigan of Center for Evidence-Based Medicine. uh, And he's on there. And he also had, no, I'm sorry. He's from Oxford. And then you have Tom Jefferson is another guy from there. I think they're both from Oxford. Now, let me ask you guys. Have you ever heard of the Imperial College of London before this? I doubt any of you have. Have you ever heard of Oxford? Well, I'm sure all of you have. In many respects, it's regarded as the most prestigious institution of academia in the entire world. From day one, they opposed lockdown. From day one, they opposed these models. Why, why didn't we listen to them? You know, I'm, say, I'm, I'm always lectured to you, like, the, the medical community believes this. Even though they don't know anything I just said in the last 40 minutes, that disproves everything they say because they're too busy with their head up their rear ends. But here you have Oxford epidemiology that opposes from day one. You had a couple others, Professor Gupta also. But anyway, let me read to you this on masks. This is from Tom Jefferson, a quote from him. Aside from people who are exposed to the front lines, there is no evidence that masks make any difference. But what's even more extraordinary is the uncertainty. We don't know if these things make any difference. We should have done randomized controlled trials in February, March, and April, but not any more because viral circulation is low and we will need huge numbers of enrollees to show whether there was any difference. And meanwhile, Fauci said he doesn't want to do one because he thinks we're stupid. He thinks he could pull the wool over our eyes. is Carl Hennigan. By all means, people can wear masks, but they can't say it's an evidence-based decision. There is a real separation between an evidence-based decision and the opaque term that we are being led by the science, which isn't the evidence. And that's exactly, exactly right. There has been no evidence-based controlled clinical study showing this. Next thing, the life cycle of the pandemic. This is from Carl Hennigan. One of the keys to the infection of the infection is to look at who's been infected, which shows a crucial difference when comparing the pandemic theory to seasonal theory. In a pandemic, you'd expect to see young people disproportionately affected. But in the UK, we've only had six child deaths, which is far less than we normally see in a pandemic. The high number of deaths with over seventy fives fits with the seasonal theory. It's very interesting. We're going to explore that in the coming days. Um, the stability of the virus is far less when the temperatures goes goes up, but humidity seems to be particularly important. The lower the humidity, the more stable the virus is in the atmosphere and on the surfaces. It's now winter in the southern hemisphere, which is why places like Australia are suddenly having outbreaks on lockdown. Carl Hennigan. Many people said that we should have down earlier, but 50% of care homes developed outbreaks during the lockdown period. So there are issues within the transmission of this virus that are not clear. Lockdown is a blunt tool and there needs to be intelligent conversations about the what mitigation strategies can keep society functioning while we keep the most vulnerable shielded. And again, that's the dirty little secret. There's so many examples of people, either those with Massive PPE on them, like in healthcare settings or locked places that were already locked down in prisons, they weren't allowing visitors forever and they got it anyway. There's something very godly about this. That there's just, and this is what a lot of the European scientists are saying. They have a lot more humility. They're like, look, you know, a lot of it's luck, we just don't know. The benefits of the current strategy are outweighed by the harms. When it comes to suppression, only the virus will have a determination in that. If you follow the New Zealand policy of suppressing it to zero and locking down the country forever, then you're going to have a problem. This virus is so out there now, I cannot see a strategy that makes suppression the viable option. The strategy right now should be how we learn to live with the virus. I'm a survivor of four pandemics And for the other three, I didn't even realize they were going on. People died, but nothing changed, and none of the fabric of society was eroded like this response. Do I see steps being taken at a European level about learning from our mistakes and changing policies? The answer is no. It's funny because, I mean, I think he's talking about England, but in the Nordic countries, other countries, they're being more logical about it. Carl Hennigan, quote, We as individuals are part of the problem because sensationalism drives people to click and read the information. So it's a big circle because we've created the problem. If we put the worst case scenario out there, we will go and have a look. If you want a solution, you've got to get people to stop clicking on this sensational stuff. Again, these are not politicians and these are not right wingers. These are Oxford epidemiologists. I mean, we were told from day day one, epidemiologists are the most important people. For this. And we're, and you know, Oxford is the most prestigious institution. So you'd think we'd pay attention. On the IFR, the infection fatality rate, Carl Hennigan. We'll be down about where we were with the swine flu, around 0.1 to 0.3, which is much lower than what we think because at the moment we are seeing the case fatality. And then the other guy is uh, Tom Jefferson. If you look at the whole. Narrative, it was distorted from the very beginning by the obsession with influenza, which was just one or two agents and nothing else existed. We're no different now. We're no different. Lots of information, as always, I promise you, action-packed shows, fact-packed, data-packed shows. We put it all together. But the bottom line is, stupidity is the most dangerous and expensive commodity. That allows these sickening political elites to get away with their lies. Don't allow that to happen. We're just getting started this week. Stay empowered. Stay knowledgeable. Call out the bastards on their lies. Till tomorrow. Thank you for listening and God bless.